0: and welcome to another edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Assistant Director for Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Matthew Skinner from the class of 2009, and he's the executive director of the New York State Unified Court System's Richard C. Falia LGBTQ Commission, and he's been there since December of 2017. But we're going to be talking about the recent Supreme Court case about LGBTQ rights that came down a couple weeks ago. We'll get to Matthew in just a second but as always our reminders here at the top of the cast, please go to albanylaw.edu to check out all of our reopening plans and schedules as we try to get back to campus due to the COVID-19 pandemic. There's going to be a lot of information there and a lot of questions answered there so please go there and check out all those different things that you might need to know before you show up on campus. If you can't get to campus but you want to check campus out still, we do have all of our virtual visit things available on our admissions page. That's albanylaw.edu slash admissions and then you can find all that information there. And you can find previous episodes of the podcast on all the major podcast services or on our SoundCloud account. We're going to be sticking with our once a week schedule here for the summer but since you're here for that once a week show, let's get over and talk to Matthew. And we're back here with Matt Skinner. And Matt, if you just take a couple minutes and introduce yourself to everybody who is listening to the podcast today.
1: Thanks a lot, Ben. Uh, As he said, my name is Matt Skinner. I am the executive director of the Richard C. Fela LGBTQ Commission of the New York Courts. I'm also a member of the class of 2009 from Albany Law School. So I'm thrilled to be recording this podcast today for the ALS community.
0: Thank you for coming on. To recap for those who maybe have missed it and all the current events going on is on June 15th, by a six to three vote, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which bans workplace discrimination based on sex, race and religion, also applies to sexual orientation and prior to that decision it was legal in a majority of states in the united states for employees to be fired for being gay bisexual or transgender and chief justice john roberts and justice neil gorsuch broke with their conservative colleagues to join the four liberal justices in this decision so matt first question is pretty obvious but it's one that i think a lot of people would like your expertise on What does this mean for the LGBTQ
1: community? Well, it's really huge. In essence, in just an instant of the You know, moments since this decision has been handed down, uh, employment discrimination against the uh, LGBT community was made illegal in all 50 states immediately. It's been a very long struggle to get anti-discrimination protections since really the beginning of the the LGBT civil rights movement. You know, after decades of work in a public square and in legislatures and now in the courts. Um, we've gotten to the point where we have sort of a national standard that employment discrimination is, is now illegal for, you know, firing someone because they're uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender is now uh, illegal in all 50 states under, under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964.
0: Being a lawyer and from a legal point of view, what's your reaction to this decision?
1: Well, it was just um, really incredible. It's really, um, you know, one of those historic sort of moments for the LGBT community. This year is the 50th anniversary of the first Pride March in New York City. Last year, we did, you know, a lot of anniversary events for the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. And the year after that, the community came together and had its first Pride March in New York City. So it's a, it's sort of an interesting moment uh, for this decision to finally happen. I think if you had spoke to a lot of folks who were in that first pride march, and of course some of them are still here, they would probably have been surprised about how the order in which things sort of unfolded. I think relationship recognition and marriage equality are were and are crucial pieces of the puzzle, but I think in in the early days of the LGBT civil rights movement, I think this winning this victory would have almost been seen as something that was needed sooner rather than later. You know, people at that time were just faced enormous risks of losing their job, losing everything, really, if people found out, if certain people found out that they were LGBT. The the ramifications um, in those days were just really devastating for folks to be found out, so to speak. You know, it's almost hard for us to, people living in today's world, to imagine just how recently, things were just incredibly awful for, for the LGBT community. In the 1950s, President Eisenhower signed an executive order that uh, essentially mandated firing people if it was found out that they were gay from the federal government. So it's just incredible now in 2020 to see, you know, the federal government is going to go from really the, one of the primary discriminators to one of the really now an engine of uh, eradicating discrimination now that federal law has been interpreted to protect the LGBT community.
0: And there's been some talk that this decision might lead to broader changes of LGBTQ rights in education or housing. You, you talked about that engine a little bit. Could you just expand on that? What? What can this yeah. do? What what kind of ripples can come from this uh, decision?
1: Yeah, so basically what the the language that they're interpreting in Title 7 of the Civil Rights Act prohibits discrimination because of sex, you know, those three words are sort of in quotation. But the the truth is if there are hundreds of federal statutes, state statutes, local ordinances all over the country that ban sex discrimination in all other not in all other, but in many other areas of of life. You mentioned a couple of obvious examples, but Title IX bans sex discrimination in education. There's other federal statutes that cover housing. You know, so there's really a long, it's, it's interesting, Justice Alito in his dissent added an appendix of every federal statute that deals with sex discrimination, and it was a long, long list. So if this logic applies to sex discrimination in Title Seven, it's sort of an easy easy to connect the dots that it would also apply to all these other statutes and policies that also prohibit sex discrimination.
0: And then that's a little bit about the Supreme Court decision, but I did want to bring it a little bit closer to New York and ask a couple things about what you do on a day-to-day basis. And as the executive director of the commission, could you just lay out some of the focuses and goals of that commission and what you're trying to accomplish with it?
1: Yeah, so the Fela Commission um, is named after Richard uh, Fela, more, more well known as Dick Fela. Um, he was the first openly gay judge. Uh, he was a New York, a New York City judge, uh, but the first openly gay judge in the state to be elected to the state Supreme Court, which is our trial court, principal trial court here in the state of New York. Um, so he was famous uh, for that distinction. Back in December 2016, Chief Judge Janet Fior and Chief Administrative Judge Lawrence Marks created the Richard C. Fail- I think the name actually came a little bit later, but they created the LGBT Commission to promote equal participation and access throughout the state court system by all persons, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. Um, I should give a big shout out here to... Um, the appellate division third department presiding justice, Elizabeth Gary, also a distinguished alum of this law school who was one of the two founding co-chairs of our uh, commission. The current, uh, one of the current co-chairs is, Justice Joanne Winslow from the Appellate Division, Fourth Department, out in Rochester. So, Albany Law School has had a very big role in the leadership of this commission since it was formed about three and a half years ago. You know, we work on a lot of different little projects within the court system to try to continue to further the progress of the LGBT community within within the court system. So, we've worked on strengthening um, anti discrimination policies of the court system. We've worked on adding uh, restroom signs to courthouses throughout the state. Um, We've done educational programs in judicial districts from Long Island to Jamestown and everywhere in between almost. This year has been interesting (laughs) for everybody, including the Thala Commission. So we've had to move most of our activities to an online virtual format. That's just a sort of a quick overview of what I do and what the Thala Commission uh, stands for.
0: And to even get a little nitty grittier. What is the day to day like? Phone calls or Zoom yeah. meetings? Or what are you doing of phone all day long? Calls,
1: a lot of Zooms, a lot of emails. We've all had to uh, in, you know, up our game when it comes to uh, communication technology this year. You know, Instead of doing a lot of little events in different parts of the state this year for Pride Month, we did sort of one big uh, virtual event on Skype where we actually talked about. This Supreme Court decision. We're also working on, if you sort of stay tuned for putting together our first conference this fall. And it will be, once again, an online conference, um, but looking at the evolution of of family law for the LGBT community in New York. Well,
0: definitely. Hopefully, we can link to that in the show
1: notes. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for
0: that. I did see somewhere that you went to undergrad at Notre Dame. Is that the Indiana Notre Dame? It is indeed.
1: How did you get <laughs> to Albany Law School? So I'm actually originally from the Utica area. Um, I'm uh, uh from a small town called Ilian, New York in Herkimer County, right outside of Utica. You know, when I did my college search, um, it's funny, it was actually my dad's dream school. He ended up not not getting in when he applied, but I sort of applied because he was such a fan of the school. Then went out there for a visit after I got accepted and ended up in Indiana for four years. I've spent, you know, f- the other 32 years of my life in, in New York and one one or other part of the of new york state but i did spend uh, four years in south bend indiana are you a big football fan at all yeah i mean you have you sort of become one once you uh, are uh, uh, a student at notre dame and then an alum you're sort of a, a, a fan for life <laughs> <laughs> um
0: last one here before we get to the lightning round how has albany law school set you up for success in the commission and some of the other areas of your career you kind of touched on how Albany Law School is helping uh, set up these LGBTQ commission and and working on rights in that area, but for yourself personally, how
1: would Albany Law help you get where you are? Yeah, I mean, it was really crucial. I mean, I met, uh, starting with professors like Stephen Clark when I was a student, Um, you know, the dean, Dean Ouellette, um, was sort of extremely involved with our, our LGBT student group when I was a student and she was very involved in the struggle for marriage equality in New York State and the, the lawsuit that preceded uh, the, the legislative fight. There's just been so many individuals connected with Albany Law School that have been involved um, with the LGBT civil rights movement. Um, and I would have never met uh, those people without uh, attending the school. And then as I mentioned later on, I work with so many, um, Alums of the law school now through the Fela Commission and through the state court system with with many other allies in the state court system that are grads um, of Albany Law School. So it's really, it opened up uh, um, many, many doors for me and uh, and introduced me to a network of people that uh, really changed my life without a doubt.
0: Well, one thing that changes everybody's life who experiences it is the lightning round of the Albany Law School podcast. Are you, are you ready for the lightning round? I think so. It is a life-changing experience. So let's see if we can get through this one. <laughs> All right. So we've been talking about courts a lot, and we do try to have a little bit more fun here in the lightning round. So I want to find out what your favorite court is out of the following choices. Is it a basketball court, a tennis court, a courtyard, a volleyball court, or a badminton court?
1: You know, maybe I will say it's maybe a tie. I have, you know, courtyards, I think, have become more dear to me this year since we've been sort of in quarantine for months. Um, getting to go outside and just enjoy a beautiful um, courtyard, I think, uh, has is something we can be thankful for after the, the year we've had. I played volleyball in high school, so I will say that a volleyball court is maybe tied. Um, a lot of good memories of, of, of playing volleyball, too.
0: I also played volleyball in high school. I played volleyball in college a little bit, too. So, yeah, I yeah, have to agree with you. Volleyball Fun court's sport, my winner. Yeah. <laughs> and you were just talking about kind of these unprecedented times, but is there something new or something you didn't expect that you have extra time for to work on at home that you found that you enjoy that... If the quarantine wasn't going on, you might never have discovered?
1: You know, I don't know about never having discovered, but one thing that I've, you know, one positive aspect of this, I think, has been reconnecting with old friends this year, you know, including my friends from law school, who I've sort of started a group chat with and speak to sort of throughout every day now. And that had started before the quarantine, but we all have a little bit more time to participate in the group chat now. Uh, but also friends from, like you said, college. I've started a group Zoom uh, catch-up weekly with my friends from college. You know, just little things like that this year that we've had a little bit more time to to remember the important people in our lives, and I think that's been the one real positive uh, consequence of, of spending so much time uh, at home this year.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of friends, could you share maybe a funny podcast-friendly story about your time at Albany Law?
1: You know, we were just, uh, it's funny, just today we uh, a picture popped up on that, that feature on Facebook where um, you, uh, it tells you what you were doing on a certain day, and uh, today a picture popped up from one of our sort of law review formals, uh, and it wasn't actually taken this day, so I'm not sure why it was posted on, on this day of the year, but uh, it it, re- it made me remember a lot of fun, we used to call them proms, you know, as a joke, but just the sort of socializing, formal dinner and dance sort of events we had during law school, just as something that sort of popped up on Facebook today, really brought back a lot of just fun memories of getting dressed up and going to a fun party with, with, with friends amidst the the studying and, uh, uh, you know, more serious uh, side of law school. <laughs>
0: I have those pop up all the time, too. I have no idea. I don't remember them ever. So (laughs) I feel your pain on that one. Yeah. Um, Last one here for the lightning round and for the podcast just in general. Is there anything else that we might have missed that you'd like to add or maybe a note to upcoming lawyers or law students that are kind of trying to navigate these uncertain times, just any any messages that you'd like to get out there?
1: You know, I think we all just need to keep plugging away. I think it's been, you know, this was such a wonderful, the Supreme Court decision was such wonderful news, but there's certainly been, you know, I think it's been a real, you know, I don't want to ignore the elf in the room, which has been sort of the really bleak and sobering news of the past month or so, you know, for anyone that cares about uh, justice and equality in this country. So I think, you know, all of us really need to keep plugging away to keep building the kind of society that we all would like to see where, um, you know, there is much less uh, discrimination and much more justice and equality um, uh, for for every group of people and and every uh, individual in this country.
0: It's a good idea. It's a, I mean, it's an idea that, yeah, we all got to do everything in our power to do it every day, for sure. Yeah. Um, Matt, that's everything we have. You survived the lightning round. Uh, really <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today.
1: All right. Thank you.